Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, ESPN, and Arizona Cardinals broadcaster, Dave Pash. Well, as we've done from time to time over the first year and a half of this podcast, we step outside the Cardinals and the National Football League to talk primarily college basketball with Arizona Wildcats head basketball coach Tommy Lloyd. Tommy's in his second year as the head coach of Arizona. He was the AP Coach of the Year last year. He is the third ever to be named Coach of the Year in his first season as a head coach. He was at Gonzaga as an assistant for 20 years before taking over for Sean Miller in Tucson a year ago. He led the Wildcats to a Pac-12 regular season and conference tournament title and a number one seed and a trip to the Sweet 16. Arizona currently is fifth in the country and just one loss on the season. We'll talk with Tommy about Arizona basketball 2023. We'll also talk about his experience at Gonzaga, how working with Mark Few and building a culture there prepared him for the job with the Wildcats. We'll also ask him about the first time he met Hall of Famer and my partner on ESPN broadcast, Bill Walton. He and I had breakfast in a small cafe, and the first thing is he wants hot water with just lemon, and then he wants to order a burrito. He had this argument with the Lakers, I want a small burrito, and we're not going to waste any food here. We'll talk a little football with Tommy. We'll talk pickleball as well with Tommy Lloyd and much more coming up. We are presented by BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. The BetMGM Touchdown Boost Token is here. Increase your payout with every Cardinals touchdown. You'll receive an extra 10% boost off every Cardinals touchdown, and your boost can be used on the following week's game. Only at BetMGM, the king of sports books and official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, Arizona only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, time for our conversation now with Arizona basketball coach Tommy Lloyd. So, Tommy, I've had on a lot of number of guests, wide variety of guests, not just Cardinals, even though this is primarily a football podcast. I had Bobby Hurley on recently, Mark Jackson, Damian Lillard, Mikel Bridges. So, first of all, do you have an NFL team? Are you an NFL fan? I'm sure probably this time of year you're not paying a ton of attention to it, but how much of the NFL do you like and watch? Well, well, first off, all those names you mentioned are much bigger basketball guys than me. So, geez, that's a, quite an esteemed group. But, uh, yeah, no, I love football. I mean, I, I, I grew up, and my wife gets frustrated me sometimes, but I did grow up. I told her I was raised in the church of the NFL. And, you know, we had two services at 10 and 1 every Sunday. So I grew up, you know, in the Northwest. So, I mean, man, I, I loved it. I grew up, I was a, a huge Rams fan. I was uh, – just forever, the Rams, I mean, from Pat Hayden uh, to, you know, Wendell Tyler, Nolan Cromwell, you know, then then Don Eric Dickerson, Jim Everett. Man, I, I love those guys. So uh, that was my team and then kind of grew out of it and became a little bit more local and, and you know, got started following the Seahawks a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I went to a few games over the years and even snuck up to a Cardinals game this year. I, I got up there and, and uh, it was a pretty cool experience. Which one was it? Was it uh, the win? I hope against New Orleans, or was it one of the losses? No, it wasn't. It wasn't New Orleans. Oh my gosh! And then I and I, and I had to get out of there because I had to get back in there to do something. Oh, who was it against? 
early season game or mid mid October game. I'll have to look at the schedule and here and, and rack my brain. But uh, but uh, it, it was it was a cool experience, and you know I hadn't been in that dome. Well, actually, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'd been to that dome because you know, they have a recruiting event there for high school called Section Seven, which is really cool. I mean, this this group puts on this event in there, and they bring teams from all over the country, high school teams, and they literally put like 20 basketball courts on the on the floor on the on the football floor there, and uh, and, and it's pretty cool in the dome. But uh, but I, then the only other time I was in there was 2017 in the Final Four when uh, Gonzaga lost to North Carolina in yeah. the final. Yeah, that was an unbelievable game, unbelievable tournament. Probably felt a lot different, right, watching a football game there as opposed to watching a basketball game yeah, that size it, it, of stadium? It, it, no question. But it's so big. It's so big, you know. And, you know, playing in those domes in basketball, it's almost like a surreal surreal, surreal experience because you go out there and it's, it's, like, it's like there's this hum of this noise. You're, and, you're, and you're like when the crowd yells, it doesn't get to you for a second, you know. It's, it's so it's a – Kind of a bizarre feeling. Speaking of Gonzaga, I'm sure most people are aware of your history. Uh, being at Gonzaga for as long as you were from 2000 to 2021, and I know you've been asked this a lot, but maybe in this setting you can elaborate a little bit more since we have time. Um, but how, how similar is your approach been to building Arizona basketball to what Mark Few did? Obviously you were a big part of that with getting Gonzaga to being a national power every single year? Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of similarities and, and probably so many that I don't even realize, you know, how many there are and just, and just how we conduct ourselves. And, you know, obviously, I mean, I learned a lot by observing and being a part of it. And, and one of the great experiences in my young coaching career was, you know, Fuey gave me the opportunity to contribute and to be a part of it, you know, and I wasn't a bystander. I mean, you were, you were thrown in the middle of it. And, and, and if you said something, you better be able to back it up. And if you brought an idea to the table, you better be able to argue for it. And, uh, you know, and if it worked or didn't work, you know, he didn't always hold it against you. And, and so then you, you got confidence to come back with the next idea, but I'm sure there's a ton of similarities, you know, and uh, you know, that being said, you know, I, I honestly don't watch them that much. You know, I mean, obviously we're busy doing our own thing. And when I catch them on TV, I do because I love those guys or, you know, over time. But, like, I, don't, I, I try not to go out of my way because what I don't want to do is I don't want to compare what we're doing to what they're doing because both programs are have different players. And, you know, and, and I think as a, as a coach, you have to be authentic to your team and, and take your team on its own journey. And I got to be running things you know, that I think are going to work for Arizona basketball and not say, oh, hey, I saw that, you know, Gonzaga ran this or this other team ran it. Maybe we can do it too, you know. So uh, so I, I kind of, especially last year, I really kind of just stayed 100% focused on, on our own team. And, and I think that helped me kind of eventually help us kind of create our own identity. You mentioned last year, obviously you win the Pac-12, you win the Pac-12 tournament, you're a number one seed. You win AP Coach of the Year, only the third ever to do it in his first season as a head coach. Why do you think that you guys had as much success as you did last year? I know that most people outside of your building probably did not see that coming. I think you guys were picked fourth preseason last year in the conference, yeah. and you guys were at the top of the standings, uh, or top of the rankings, I should say, nationally for a good part of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll add to that. I mean, I don't think we saw it coming, but 
I also don't think we set any limitations on ourselves. I mean, once it started happening, like we embraced it and we're like, Hey, let's be a great team. And, and we're on this journey day to day, game to game. Um, you know, and I just think last year it was, uh, it was just kind of a collision of a lot of things happening at the right time. You know, they had a few younger players, you know, that, that kind of stayed over, you know, from, from Sean's last team, you know, Ben Mather and Christian Coloco, Dave and Terry, Jesus Bell's Kirk Kreisa, I mean, who were who were good players, but they were young, and and but the, but they got some experience because you know they kind of they had a really young team the year before, so they got to play and they got to kind of experience some struggle, and so they had a little bit of an idea what college basketball was about. And then I came in, and so they were kind of ready to blossom, and we really poured into them that off season. I mean, like we we really went like you know hey we're going to hammer home player development because, you know, I'm fighting to build a culture and establish how I'm hoping our program will be. And I want our program to be about great kids who work hard and want to get better. And, and so I really wanted to establish that that first year. And, and man, it just, you know, everyone got significantly better and, and that was huge. And then we were able to recruit a few key pieces that really, really fit well. Uh, you know, Justin Tyre, who had a great season, uh, Appella Larson, who had a great season, you know, and, and so everything just kind of kind of came together. And then I think you put on top of that, that team didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament because the Arizona had self-imposed a postseason ban. You know, I think it would have been with the 2020-21 season. So they weren't allowed to go to the postseason. So they were hungry. And I think all those things kind of came together and, and uh, it was kind of just a, a really cool deal. And it was a ton of fun and uh, I enjoyed that experience uh, immensely. And uh, I, I feel like we're kind of in the middle of our own journey similar this year. You know, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but like, it, it's kind of playing out and it has a real good feel to it. Tommy, you said my favorite word and that's culture. And you, you had that at Gonzaga. You were able to establish it early at Arizona, you think about the New England Patriots. You know if you're a player and you go there, there's a culture. There was here with the Cardinals, it seemed like the middle of last season, a culture building, and then the team didn't play well down the stretch, lost early in the playoffs, and then this year with all the injuries, especially to you know the starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, it just never got going, and here the Cardinals are just four wins on the season. How do you how do you establish a culture and hold guys accountable, especially these days? It feels like the more college coaches I talk to, whether it's college basketball or college football, it's a lot harder to do that. I just had uh, the Sugar Bowl in Alabama and meeting with Nick Saban and listening to Coach Saban detail how the players basically are in charge of the culture. But that still stems from the coach. The coach obviously sets yeah. that standard first. So. What's the key in your mind of that? I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is you, you have to treat people really well. And if you say something, you got to try to do it. And, you know, there just has to be that accountability. And then, then where Coach Saban is right, 100% agree with them, is you have to have your, your players authentically want to contribute to the culture. For one, just by being great people. Two, really enjoying their teammates' successes. I mean, I always tell our guys, when we get to a point where you can put your teammate's success above your own individual success, now we're getting somewhere. You know, and that doesn't mean you don't want to be successful yourself, but, like, 
you know, in the game of basketball, you're going to have good games, you're going to have bad games, and, you know, this guy's going to get hot on that certain day. Can you enjoy that when, when your teammate has that moment in the sun? And because uh, and, I think if you do, it creates good karma, good culture. And then what comes around goes around. And, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I don't have a cookbook for it. <laughs> you know, I'm still learning myself, to be honest with you. But, like, but, but the biggest thing I think we try to do and that I try to do is I just try to, I try to treat guys good. I let them know I love them. And, and, and part of loving them is me wanting them to be good. So in order for them to be good, I got to push them, you know, a, a little bit. And then, and then I, and then I just, I want them to fall in love with this place. So they, they want to contribute to it. And I, I think when you do that, you, you, you start kind of, you kind of, you know, create its own momentum a little bit. And, and it does become kind of a, a player driven, you know, player driven deal where, where the coach has some influence too, for sure. But, uh, but, but yeah, it, it, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of that every single day. I and mean, I, I actually, I actually love that part of it. Well, you guys have won seven straight. You got wins over Tennessee, Indiana, and then over the weekend, Arizona state, you mentioned Ben Matherin, who's having a great year with the Pacers, certainly part of the rookie of the year discussion. You lose him, you lose Coloco yet. You guys are still number five in the country. Do you feel like you have a, a good sense of what the identity of this year's team is, and is it similar to last year's team? Well, well there are probably going to be some similarities for sure, um, just just in, in how we play, how we want to move the ball, maybe some of the you know defensive schemes and stuff like that. But but you know, I mean, I think to be quite honest, and I mean, I've told our guys this, so it's not a surprise. I mean, I, I, obviously we have some talented, good players, but I don't think we have the same ceiling we had last year. Um, but but that doesn't mean we can't be as good or better. You know, and, and, and basketball, it's literally comes down to just trying to find a way to win the next game and not, not getting too far ahead of yourself. And what do you got to do to win the next game? And, and I think as long as we can stay, you know, in that path and locked in on that, you know, I also think our team has a pretty high floor. You know, I mean, I think consistently we can play pretty well because we have guys that play with great effort and they play together. And, and I think we have a pretty solid scheme. So, um, you know, I mean, do we have a Ben Matherin that can go catch lobs above the rim or a Coloco? No, but, you know, Umar Balo's doing it his own way. Julius Tabellis has gotten better. Kerr Kreese has gotten better. Um, you know, Pella Larson's just rock solid. And, and, and so, you know, then we bring in a transfer like Courtney Ramey, who has experience and is hungry to be successful. So I, I think we got a good mix of guys. And, hey, on any given night, I feel like we can play with anybody, you know. Now, now that doesn't mean we can't get beat by a lot of teams either. But, uh, but, but all in all, I, I like where we're at. And, you know, but, Dave, you know, you're around coaches enough. I like where we're at. But Thursday night, you know, after our game, I might not, I might not have that same feeling for a little bit. Right. So, uh, so you're always fighting to, fighting to win the next one. Well, I'm sure Arizona fans that are listening want to know what it's like to coach Kirk Creesa. First, I just love the story. We tell it. Bill and I tell it probably every broadcast, but the fact that he wears number 25, his first name, Kerr, is on the back of his jersey because his dad was a huge Steve Kerr fan, so he wears the same number Kerkrisa does that Steve Kerr did, but the fact that Kerkrisa's dad didn't know that he actually played at Arizona is the the thing I find most interesting about that. He was yeah. a huge Kerkrisa fan, but he didn't know he played at Arizona. He's got a big personality. What's it like to be around him? What's it like to coach him? Well, it's awesome. I mean, you know, I, I get asked that question a lot, and I tell people it's, it's easy to coach him because he's really competitive. He's got he's got an incredible spirit and energy, and and he wants to win. 
And when I tell him something, for the most part, he does it. You know, so coaching him, you know, is not bad. Now, you just have to harness, you know, some of the the extras that come with it. And uh, But he's maturing. And, you know, I mean, he'd had a, a couple of technical fouls, you know, in a couple of games in a row. And I just told him, knock it off. Like, we don't need that, you know. And one of them, you know, he thought his teammate got fouled. He was sticking up for his teammate and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, the – the Tennessee game, he had one on the bench. He was on the bench. We, I think we'd made a big play, and he kind of got a little too far from the bench, and they teed him up. So, um, you know, he, but he got great spirit, great energy. He's fun to be around every day. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, fans on the other teams that he drives crazy, if he was on their team, they would love him as much as we do. You, you talked about earlier to Bellis, his improvement, Ballo and Creasa. Here, here's three guys part of the core of your team and their players from overseas. And it's remarkable over the last two decades how many players, I mean, you think of the NBA, the the two-time reigning MVP, uh, Nikola Jokic. uh, You think of Giannis, Luka. There's so many. Basketball now is as much about the players that are from uh, outside of the United States as those yeah. that are born in America. And you were a big part of that at Gonzaga and at Arizona. When do you remember that changing, and, and why do you think that you in particular have been really successful identifying players outside the United States that can play? Well, I mean, the, the, the game has definitely become global. And, you know, I, I, I think you can kind of trace it back to the Dream Team in 92, um, you know, they, they kind of made basketball burst on the scene. And, you know, you're, you're, they're, they're now that's all over the world. And, you know, in, in China, it's in Africa, they're seeing this dream team because they were just a, a phenom, you know. And then, you know, Europe. And then there's all these big guys that, you know, and the rest of the world's playing football or soccer. And there's these, all these big guys that are like, hey, we, got, we need something else. And so they kind of got exposed to a sport where maybe they could be successful. And, and they just, you know, more, so more guys started playing it. I think that's kind of what happened. And then, you know, well, we're sitting up there in little old Gonzaga, you know, back in the day. And, and I was young in my 20s, and I'd love traveling. And I had actually, you know, played very low level overseas a little bit um, when I was done with college. And um, I remember, just remember Coach Few just said, hey, you know, maybe you could help us out and identify some, you know, international players, you know, because – you know, you're, you're in the 509 up there in eastern Washington. I mean, it's a great place for high school basketball. Very good coaches, but but not like great individual talent players, you know, where there's just Division One ball players, you know, at every school. So we had to think outside the box. So it's the old deal, like, you know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, you know. So you have to kind of think different uh, to, to be different. And so we started – I started spending a bunch of time over there. And it really opened up my eyes to, you know, not only, hey, can we go over here and maybe, maybe get better players that can really, you know, accentuate the talent on our team, then, then maybe if we just recruited all American kids, you know, so we got, we're fishing in other waters where others weren't fishing. But then almost as important for me is just started showing me another way of playing. And, and the game is being coached different, you know, because all those kids that grew up in America, you know, when you grew up in high school basketball, you know, you, you probably at some point you you played on the line, up the line defense. You know your your coach taught you Bobby Knight's motion offense. Uh, then you learned flex. 
offense, you know. And in Europe, they were doing a little bit of that, but they were doing this thing with these ball screens and movements, and they just they just didn't have the same restrictions or limitations maybe that all of American kids would learn basketball under So because they saw the game different. And so, um, so I just think the combination of going over there, looking for players, falling in love with international basketball, falling in love with traveling, and um, it kind of all just came together. And, uh, and it, it's been obviously a huge component of my career. And I can't ever imagine being on a team where we don't have some international guys. You know, that doesn't mean to say that we don't love American players because we do. And, and American players do really well in our system. And if you watch how the NBA is being played, well, I mean, there's there's a ton of flow to that game now that's much more of a European system than maybe, you know, how, how the NBA was 10 or 15 years ago. So the game's definitely changing. Favorite place to travel, meaning you know you got to go recruit a player, but you also would love to extend your trip a little bit so you can enjoy some vacation time. Well, well the list is long. Um <laughs> You know, the place that, that we've kind of enjoyed a little bit is, you know, last summer the under-17 World Championships were in Malaga, Spain. And uh, the south of Spain, Malaga, Tormelinos, Marbella, you go down there in, 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 you know, July and August, man, it's uh, spectacular. So uh, so really, really enjoyed that and definitely want to get back there someday. Kind of be maybe, maybe the next spot. And it's nice being over there and, you know, off the beaten path and no one knows who you are and uh, – so, yeah, we definitely enjoy that for sure. So I'm a little OCD. We we go to Italy pretty much every summer, and I feel like I have to see everything there before I can move on. But it sounds like you're telling me I miss – everybody keeps telling me I'm missing out, and they always mention a different part of Europe. Um, and I had not yeah. even thought about uh, the area of Spain that you just mentioned. No, no, no for sure. I mean, it's, it's beautiful there. And the reason I, I kind of fell in love with that place, one of the reasons is – when I was recruiting Domantas Sabonis, that was where he was raised. So that was kind of where I first got exposed to, to Malaga, Spain. Now, Italy, now, you know, on my staff, I got this crazy Italian guy, uh, Ricardo Foyce. And uh, he's Italian. I mean, full on. But he's from Sardinia. So have you been to Sardinia? No, I have not. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, so Sardinia is like, okay, it's, you know, it, it's world class. It's uh I guess I tell people, you know, they, they got these unbelievable white sand beaches there. So, you know, Sardinia is just an island. Yeah, Sardinia and Corsica that are sitting out there in the Mediterranean between France and Italy. Yeah. So it would be above the soccer ball, the soccer ball, and the boot, right? Yep. So you're out in the middle of the water. And uh, I tell people it's like going to the Caribbean because you have the white sand beaches, these beautiful water, I mean, where you can see crystal clear. Um, it's like go go into the Caribbean, but you have Italian food, oh. you know. For for so so it's it's a, it's a great combination for a vacation. Like if you haven't been to Sardinia, the next time you go to Italy, if you don't go, you're doing it wrong. All right, no, I I'm it, I'm down. I'm writing it down right now because it's funny. We, we've been trying to look. We went to Matera last year, which is in the southeast portion of the country. Yeah. I don't know if you saw uh, the new James Bond movie, but they filmed that whole opening scene there, and it's okay. it's an incredible. Uh, city. It's like the third oldest city in the world, but they've turned it into uh, like this spectacular tourist area. But anyway, we've been talking about going to Sicily. Now I got to add Sardinia, though. Um, yeah, done. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna next time I see you or your assistant, I got to get some some restaurant recommendations, oh, yeah, yeah, some yeah, hotel yeah. recommendations. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before be before I let you go, um, 
you you kind of razz me from time to time on how my beard makes me look a lot older than I am. I am curious yeah. how you do it, man. You're I I think you're only I'm 50. I think you're only a couple years younger than me. But yeah. what's the secret other than just having hair, which I don't have? <laughs> well, hey hey, I'm thinning. I'm thinning up top. I can feel it. My wife has been telling me for years. When she's looking down from the stands, she can see, and I'm like, and when I see it on TV, I'm like, Who, who's that? That's not me. <laughs> uh, so, so it's happening. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I just got lucky with some good genetics. And 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 to be honest with you, I know this beers, these beards are in vogue now. You all, you guys are, you know, you all fashioned with your beards and everything. <laughs> I don't grow a good beard. I, I don't. I, mean, I think I could do the mustache goatee thing, but like, I don't know. I don't know if that's who I am. I definitely don't. I'm a little patchy on the sides, so. Is it yeah. is it pickleball that keeps you as lively and as in good a shape as you are? Because I know you play pickleball. I, I don't know if I'm in good shape. Uh, you know, depends on I, I participate in pickleball, and then depending on the level. Because trust me, I have I'm used to being the fourth best player on the court. And for those of you who know, there's only four players on the court. So um, you know, my, my pickleball partners that are good. You know, they call me the common denominator because usually whoever my partner loses. So, um, so um, I got that going for me. But my my other partners that I play with that aren't so good, you know, I mean, yeah, I like getting after those guys a little bit. We actually just finished up right before we did this. We got a good group that plays here at Arizona. It was Jed Fish, Chip Haler, baseball coach, Dave Heat, your athletic bricker, sneaks out there. Um, you know, Jack Murphy on my staff, and uh, we we go out. And then our tennis coaches are all really good. So we play with them a lot, so we have a ton of fun. I I'm, I, I want to ask you one more about uh, Jack Murphy, but just on pickleball, you know, it's, it's like exploding. There's a pro team yeah. here in Arizona now called the AZ Drive, or Arizona Drive, and Larry Fitzgerald and Devin Booker are part owners. So they're obviously investing in something that has caught fire, and they, I guess, expect it to continue to explode. I've never well, played if, it. If, if, if they if they need a player, feel free to give them my number. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the guy, kind of guy they're looking for. But, uh, but I love. Oh, you need to play. I mean, do you ever play a little bit of tennis? Uh yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah, I think you look. Know, listen, what's nice about pickleball is you can go out and play a few times and kind of pick up a little bit of the game. Obviously, there's some strategy to it, but 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 you don't have to be great to like to enjoy it right away. And and it's like like golf a little bit. You get one or two good hits. And, you know, all of a sudden you think you're pretty good, you know, and you might only have two or three good hits a day, but you remember those and you want to go back and kind of recreate them. So it, it, it's a ton of fun. So last one, and then I will let you go. But it, it, it this, the tag to the story I'll save for after you answer the question, what was your first impression of Bill Walton? I have to imagine, because I know Bill and I did a Gonzaga game when you were there. It was when Washington yeah. played there maybe five or six years ago. But obviously now, last year, and we've got you guys coming up a bunch here, uh, Bill uh, and I will be doing the games. What was your first impression of Bill? Well, well, first off, I always loved Bill Walton as a basketball player. And, and uh, you know, he was an amazing talent. I mean, people have no idea. He literally is one of the best players of all time when healthy. Um, no question. I, I think you yeah, no question. that argument easy. Yeah, and I don't think people—I don't think people realize that now because he has become a—he is a character, but he's become a little bit of a character on his broadcasting, and, and people, you know, they—they—they they, they love him, they, he annoys them, whatever. I'll just say this: 
when I, that, after that game you guys did at Washington, he requested to have breakfast with me. So I'm like, oh, all right. So I went down. He and I had breakfast in a small cafe. And, you know, and, and uh, you probably ate with him quite a few times. And the first thing is he wants hot water with just lemon, you know. And then he wants to order a burrito. And he was like, he had this argument with the waitress. No, no, I don't want the burrito too big. I want a small burrito. And she's like, well, sir, we pre-make our burritos. And like, we don't, no, no, I want a small burrito because I don't, we're not going to waste any food here. And uh, he was adamant. And so they had to make him his own special small burrito. So there was no wasted food. But throughout our conversation that day, this is the part people don't realize about Bill. He took five pages of handwritten notes in very large cursive writing. And, you know, from my parents' names to their birthday to what they did and, and just really, like, interviews you. And, and he's genuinely in the conversation and he's genuinely interested in you. And I just tell people this. If you don't like Bill Walton, you don't like good people. Because he's one of the, the greatest human beings I've ever met, and he's a tremendous guy, and he's 100% genuine. He doesn't have a mean bone in his body, and the world needs more people like Bill Walton. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I mean, you're so right. If you can't get along with Bill, then you're the one with the problem. He So he and I will eat together after games. He will always offer to buy. He will not eat with me before because he does not want to see me or talk to me until yeah. the game starts. Because in his mind, uh, while I'm his teammate, as soon as we are in the arena and we're getting close to broadcasting, in a way, I'm the opponent. I'm I'm Kareem to him. Yeah. <laughs> like seriously, he said that. Like it's yeah. he 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 gets really competitive, and so he. But afterwards, yes, when you go out to dinner, he doesn't drink. Uh, he always asks nope. for for hot water. Uh, soup and salmon. That's usually, regardless of where we go. I'm, I'm surprised about the burrito. He must have been. Uh, he, I don't know if he's gone low carb or what, but uh, but it, it was a limit, maybe limited option. <laughs> and you know, and then, and then obviously we we have a good relationship with Bill because you know obviously Luke played here. Yeah. And Jack Murphy is Luke Walton's one of his best friends. You know, he's on my staff. And then and then he and this he has this bromance with our, our old SID our, our, he's still an SID here but not as a basketball much Matt Inzer. Oh yeah. Th- those two they go in the summer they go to dead concerts and the whole deal and uh you know I, to me that just shows how good of a guy Bill is. Like Bill has really become genuinely great friends with Matt Inzer and they're probably you know 35 years age difference and you know from different worlds but Bill's just he loves people and and I think that's just something that been lost on a lot of this world these days. So I'll tell you the the Jack Murphy story, and I'll let you go because I've kept you longer than I said I would. And I appreciate the time. So we are doing an Arizona UCLA game about four years ago. It is me, Bill, and Richard Jefferson is doing the game with us. Oh. Richard, who played at Arizona, played in the NBA for a long time, and now does games. Uh, I just did a game with him a couple weeks ago for ESPN. And Richard, for people that may not know Richard Jefferson and Luke Walton are our best friends and Richard yeah. basically is an adopted Walton he he's more like Bill than Luke is I don't know the other boys the <laughs> other three sons but his personality yeah. is very similar to Bill and when Richard was playing in the NBA Richard still lived at Bill's house he was making 10 million dollars a year and living on Bill's couch until Lori Bill's wife kicked him out of the house so we're calling this game. Sean Miller gets teed up 
and ejected from the game. And now Jack Murphy, who was the associate head coach, now is coaching the game. And Richard goes, yeah, and Jack used to live at Bill's house too. And I didn't know that story. But apparently Jack Murphy was in charge of waking Luke and Richard up in the morning (laughs) to make sure they went to their workouts to get ready for the NBA draft. So anyway, there's the story. I'm sure Luke and Richard were probably doing nothing eventful the night before and <laughs> and probably would have, probably would have woke up on their own with an alarm clock but they had Jack there just in case I'm sure. That's exactly right. <laughs> Tommy, hey, this was great. Thanks so much. Congratulations on all your success to date and I I know there's a long way to go this season, but you guys are off to a great start. Can't wait to watch you guys in person here against the Oregon schools and UCLA a couple times uh, here in the near future. Thanks for your time, man. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. See you next week. Really enjoyable conversation with Tommy Lloyd. Great personality. You can see why he's been such a good recruiter. Just easygoing, easy to get along with, doesn't take himself too seriously, always giving credit to the players and Mark Few, who he was with for two decades at Gonzaga. Love the story about Bill Walton, too, and the fact uh, that Bill called and wanted to have breakfast. And that is something about Bill that not many people realize. He is a copious note taker, and he wants to know everything about the person so that he can help humanize coaches and players to the audience, which is a big part of our jobs as broadcasters. Arizona right now fifth in the country, and... Without question, a contender, not just for the Pac-12 title, but for the national championship in 2023. We are presented by BetMGM, official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Check us out on Twitter, at PashPod, and please tell us what you think by going to your podcast platform, rate us, review us, let us know if there are any guests you'd like to hear from in the future. Thanks again to Arizona head coach Tommy Lloyd, and thanks to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.